Before we get started with the first episode, we have a quick word from our sponsor. Sponsor is in finger quotes in the sense that all of the recording and editing for this episode was done for free in a strip mall in downtown Phoenix. This is Mark Rohde at the Dollar Tune Recording Studios, next to Schlotsky's off the Black Canyon Freeway. Come on down and you get a two-for-one recording special. Uh, God dang it. I'm sorry. Do you mind? It's been a while, you know. Um, uh, the co- should I say, do you like the come on down? Is that? Yeah, it just sounds so... Okay. <clears throat> One more time. Um, Dollar Tune Recording Studios across the street from Castles and Coasters. Come on in. We'll uh, record something for a birthday celebration or your own music. Monday through Friday, 8 through 5. Nailed it. Nailed it. I nailed, nailed it. it. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right. Feels good. <laughs> I haven't done the old road man coming out. Ah, it's good. Yeah, good. you look alive. Thanks. Yeah. Brings me back, you know. <laughs> In December 2005, a high school senior named Catherine Roberts vanished and was never heard from again. Catherine was just one of hundreds and hundreds of kids. You know? Couldn't pick her out of a crowd. Uh, I got a lot of students, you know? To be honest, I assumed she was dead. Wow, I mean, dead, that's... Well, it isn't confirmed whether or not she's dead. There's no... There's no oh, yo, I thought she was dead this whole time. Oh, okay, cool. So, wait, why don't we know that she's not dead? The publicly available details surrounding her disappearance are sparse. She had just turned 18. She attended Shadow Canyon High School, a public school in the Paradise Valley School District in Phoenix, Arizona. The article I read referred to her as normal. When I first began the investigation that you'll hear in these episodes, I realized that what I was faced with was, pure and simple, an unexplainable mystery. Everyone has an explanation for the unexplainable. It's how we cope with the crushing complexity of our otherwise unfathomable existence. It's, in a sense, how we conceive of our reality. And that's fine. But it's not journalism. And it's not what I set out to do. Remember how we were talking about my my podcasting and about my radio journalism and right yeah you're the you're the radio girl yeah oh I love that that's how you think of me I've been looking for the right story um, I knew I needed to find some kind of like 
completely unusual but totally usual thing or like a mystery. You said you do audio production. So I was gonna offer you a role as the producer on my new show. Oh, uh, yeah, I, um, I have like some other projects lined up right now. Um, I don't, sorry, you just hold on just a second. Oh. No, not you, Candace. I got, um, there's someone else here. Sorry. Just... Oh. Sorry, no, I thought you were... No, I, it's just, it's, it's kind of early. I was just waking oh, up. Oh, I'm no sorry. Worries, was... No worries. Uh, I'm, I'm good. I'm here. So, um, I got tickets, actually, for next week. I can't... What? Two tickets to Phoenix, Arizona. I have accommodations all arranged. We have a place to stay. And we're going to be working on... Did you say you, you already bought me a plane ticket? Don't you need, like, a like an address or something for that? Like, my full name or... I have your full name. How did... Okay, look, I... You, like, left your wallet on my bedstand oh, when you went to the bathroom. And I told you I'm an investigative journalist. Yeah. That's, um... That's on me, then. Uh... Oof. Uh, you're not happy. You're I, upset with me. No, it's not. It's not that. It's it's just. It's, yeah, no, no. I'm upset. I'm, I'm not gonna hide it. This this is this is nuts. I'm not. I'm. I don't want to do it. I don't want. I don't. I don't want to go to Arizona. I don't like Arizona. I've never been there. I don't have to go there. No, I'm not gonna like it. I don't. I don't. Mm, mm, mm. Mike, Mike, I need you. I can't do this without you. And frankly, have you ever been in New York City for a winter? Have you experienced that yet? No, not yet. I've only, I've only been here for like eight months. It's cold. You think people are angry now? Wait until like everybody is three inches thicker from coats and hats. And Phoenix is going to be like 85. <sighs> what's what's the story? What? Do, what do, why? Why are we going? What's going on? I got an email. And like, I don't know how they did this, but it actually showed up as from anonymous. Whoever they are, I don't know who they are. So like, I'm dealing with somebody who knows what they're doing. It's, uh, it's pretty simple. It's just, there's like a website you can use. It's just it's like, like email is like the oldest web technology. It's not that, sorry, keep going. So it's very exciting. And the contents of the email basically said, you need to find her. It was a, a link to a very short Phoenix New Times article about a girl who went missing in 2005. And I realized, like, a missing girl case is perfect. It's, like, light. People like girls. And there's a possibility that we could actually find her. She's been gone for 10 years, Candace. You got an email. It's from Anonymous. What are we going to do? Get there and just knock on doors? Well... Obviously, I've Googled a bit about the case already. I'm a little bit more familiar with the circumstances behind her disappearance. There are a number of people already that I've connected to her on Facebook, so, like, I have leads. Yeah, that's, that, sounds, that sounds great. Well, then, I gotta be honest, the odds are against you. I think you're gonna fail spectacularly. Uh, just, um, how much does it pay? You know how, like, sometimes you can be paid in exposure? How do you feel about a pizza pocket per diem? All right, you know what? Fuck it, sure. Let's let's do it. Let's let's find the girl. You're gonna come? I yeah yeah sure. Is it okay that we're sleeping in the same bed together? Is that all right? Oh yeah, that's that's the main reason I want I want to go here. That's I swiped right, so yes. 
You're swiping right on this adventure. Okay. <laughs> Wait, did you record this entire conversation? Maybe. Oh, God, all right, whatever, you're hot. Let's do it. With Mike riding shotgun, or at least riding middle seat on the six-hour flight to Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport, I was feeling confident. Looking out the window at the teeny tiny mountains and houses and freeways miles beneath me, I thought, Catherine's out there, somewhere, and we're going to find her, unless she's dead. Confession, sometimes I really get off on being an amateur sleuth. So rereading my notes on the plane ride to Phoenix, it struck me how many times I had written one question. Who was Catherine Roberts? Catherine was not a popular girl. It only took minimal research to figure that out. The only pictures of her in the 2004 Shadow Canyon yearbook were of her in the back row of the 50 ensemble singers in the school's spring musical. So who was Catherine Roberts? To find out, I'd need to talk to the drama teacher at Shadow Canyon High School. We're at the Biltmore in Arizona. I like to go when I can to find places that are... That's him. Sophisticated. David Chairstein. An impeccably dressed, slender, red-headed gentleman of a certain age. I would soon find out that, although he was the drama teacher during Catherine's high school tenure, David had a disappearance of his own. Do you recall the year between 2004-2005? This was his story. Well, I, I, I was missing. I wasn't just gone, I hadn't just left, but I was missing. I'm always seeking other experiences that can kind of awaken uh, the spirit within. And so I found myself in 2004, you know, it was sort of a, 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 a Not gonna lie, his story States. was irrelevant and long. Really but what escape. can I say? He was a compelling guy. And so I listed my car in the and internet. There, there are websites, this, this, this man, his name was uh, Bill. He offered to rent the car. Bring me close to somebody from, from the outside. Somebody wanted to rent the car. Maybe he advertised himself. You know, he uh, said he was middle-aged, middle-weight, uh, middle-height. This was perfect. You know, this is exactly why I rented my car out This is when the story sort of takes a dark turn. Bill shows up and, in my home. Uh, he wasn't as advertised. He, he threatened uh, to hurt me if I didn't give him the he car. And so I, as soon as I, I said, well, the door. I'll, I'll give you the car, but I have to go with you. In order to make sure that yeah, the car is safe. No, I can't do that. That's frustrated with me and angry with me. So he said, fine, come, come with me. And so we went together in the car and we drove down to it, um, like a local uh, convenience store. We drove, we drove and for hours. he picked up some duct tape um, and he picked up some and plastic he brought wrap. me uh, to a small home in a small town. Uh, he parked the car outside me of the home, Dallas. And he tied me up and duct taped my mouth shut. And then the next morning he woke me up. And he told me that I had to stay with him. I told him that I didn't want to stay with him. And he told I me that I had to. to be let free and to take my car and to go I home. I found out that he was a very disturbed um, but very vulnerable and sensitive man who, who actually... I got to know him as somebody who, like me, was just looking to be accepted and to find a community. So as we spoke, I, I found I wasn't in danger. And Bill, his, his name... I guess I can say this now, his real name was, was Curtis. And as we got to know each other, and as he, as he grew to respect and understand garden. me more, and, 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 and so as we worked, um, we, uh, well, we fell in love. 
emotional discussion, frankly. Um, and how did you return? Did you? Well, as some relationships do, we found that uh, we weren't entirely compatible. So I, I left of my own accord. I did not get to keep the car. I was a Ford Taurus. 1999 model. He demanded or to keep like the that. Car. It wasn't in great shape. Maybe it had 130,000 uh, miles on it. Tape deck. It didn't even have a CD player. David insisted that I get in touch with the choir instructor, who had overseen the school musical during his abduction. When I found Charles Babbage, he was in the Shadow Canyon High School choir room, head bent over the piano, tears streaming down his face. Despite the clear state of emotional angst I caught him in, he was all too willing to offer an interview. Just say your name one more time. And very at ease with the microphone. Charles Alexander Babbage. Do you do a sound test with everyone? If, if it makes you more comfortable, absolutely, you can do a sound test. No, I mean, I don't care. Do you uh, need something with more plosives? Do you need anything with more fricatives? I don't know how, yeah. I don't know how this radio, I don't know how it works. Give me, give me some um, fricatives. Fricatives, fricatives. Um, around the, well, that's dull, isn't it? Um, uh, the boy stood on the If I had to pick a word to describe him, all but him had fled. it would be the flame that lit the battles gay. Wreck. Stood round or judgmental. The dead. Maybe both. Dead. Gay and judgmental. Excuse me, I didn't know you were coming. It, oh, no, I would have no. prepared something. What is your occupation? I am, for better or for worse, the choir teacher here at Shadow Canyon High School. Um, what do students call you? <clears throat> they are meant to call me Mr. Babbage. Uh, when there's affection for a teacher, they get a few nicknames along the way. Uh, Chucky e. Cheese is one of them, Chucky e. Pie, Choo Choo Train, Babs, which I can't say I hate, mm, Fuckface, Didgeridoo, Didgeridoodle, Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doodle, Meringue, God knows. And what is Shadow Canyon High School like? If... Like as any other high school, uh, I imagine, um, we have a pretty sizable population. A number of years ago, we were incorporated with another high school, which brought some new students in. So uh, we have a, a healthy, thriving, middle class, shall we say, bourgeois population. Not, for the most part, artistically inclined, but there are those rare uh, gems in the desert, as it were, uh, who I feel it is my job to notice and to pluck from the soil to give them a chance to shine. Do you have any success stories or do you have people that you've... I do, I do. Um, I can honestly say, well, I'm sure, I don't know how long you've been working on this, but I'm, I'm sure that you've heard of uh, Darcy Bromley Slomer. I knew her, well, back when she was only Darcy Bromley, and she is among my top students, absolutely. I'll tell you a story. It was her freshman year and we were doing auditions for Kiss Me Kate. It was at this now, moment that I noticed the, the walls of Mr. Babbage's choir room had been signed by every student, dating back decades at least. I'd find Catherine's name later, partly obscured by another student's signature. From what I could tell so far, everyone in Catherine's life had been preoccupied with themselves. Now, picturing this, can you imagine that I cried? 
not more than 10 seconds into the song, her power, the depth of her 14-year-old soul, so stirred me, I couldn't help it. I felt like a fool sitting there, weeping openly into my hanky, but there it was, right in front of me. And I'll say this, when you see it, you know. You absolutely know. So you also had Catherine Roberts as a student. Do you recall her as well? Catherine Roberts. Um, not that well, to be honest with you. Um, she wasn't, let's say, one of the gems. Uh, she didn't stand out in any particular way. Um, uh, not that she was a rude girl or, or mean, but untalented in a general way, uh, not particularly interesting. As I'm thinking, I'm, I'm, seeing an, I'm seeing an orange shirt, jeans, lazy jeans, sandals likely, and the song that she sang was from The King and I. She's, you know, that's Lisa Chin. No, hold on. Ah, Catherine. Yes, I recall Catherine. Brown shirt or some variation on the color brown, lackadaisical jeans, fitting nowhere, sandals. She always dressed comfortably, I recall. No need to impress anyone. And she had a voice I would describe as not mousy, but ratty, maybe. No, that's not fair. She had a voice I would describe as the voice of a very timid manatee the voice of a very timid sea cow, as though it wanted to emerge, but simply couldn't. I remember I, it had been a long day. We'd had seen literally tens of students. And as I was leaving to head to Starbucks and get my, my pumpkin wrap up for the day, I was stopped by Catherine in the hallway. And uh, at first she just stood there, couldn't say a word. And I thought, oh God, you know, how long are we going to be here? The Mask of Zorro is playing on TNT at 8.30. And she, so she, she stood there staring at me for a moment. And then in that same very muffled voice said, have you chosen the lead roles yet? And I thought, oh my God, if you're even asking me that question, darling, you simply haven't got the first idea of how you sounded on that stage. And so I, I said to her, no, we won't choose for another two days. Catherine, you can look at the sheet when it goes up. And she stayed there between me and the door, quiet for another maybe 10 seconds. And she asked me, is Darcy going to get the part? Well, of course Darcy was going to get the part, but what do I say to her? I don't know if they know each other, I don't know if they're friends. They always seem to have a sort of... I couldn't tell if they loved each other or hated each other, but certainly it was one or the other. But she asked me, I said, you can see the sheet on Wednesday, and I brushed past her in the nicest way possible and left to go to Starbucks. <laughs> I learned later that was apparently the last day that she was seen before her, you know. And had I known at the time, well, I don't know what I would have done differently. She wasn't going to get the part. She was terrible. But I sometimes think back on it and wish she hadn't been there. I wasn't particularly looking forward to meeting Darcy Bromley Slomer. 
She sounds like this bitch I knew in high school. So I decided to procrastinate and investigate other approaches via the best methodology I knew how. Hey, Mike, 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 come what? here. I, I've been doing some research trying to figure out our next move, and I think I found a really helpful website. How? It's how to find lost people online. Did you just Google how to find a lost person? Um, it's really elicited a lot of helpful responses. Candace, this this is just a stock photo of a guy staring tiredly at a computer. He literally is in the same exact position that I am right now. Yeah, that doesn't... Like, he's got a furrowed brow and he's intensely focused. You're... This, this isn't how you find... You don't just Google... How to find people. Look what I found. Look, 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 look. It says contact known people, which is exactly what we've been doing. Okay. One of the first things you should do is contact everybody who knows that person. Okay. Great. All right. Great. So who did you find? Step two, find support of some institutions. Like the police? We haven't gone to the police yet. But no, someone went to the police in like 10 years ago, right? Yeah, which means there are police who were on the case 10 years ago who we should be talking to. No, this is it. This is all I've done. I'm going to go drink. In 2005, Catherine was deemed a runaway by the Phoenix Police Department, but not before they interrogated Darcy Bromley. Darcy was a prime suspect in the initial search to explain Catherine's disappearance. I'll share more from these detectives in future episodes, but now, Let's hear them defend their decision to close this case 10 years ago. This is uh, Jerry Goldman. I'm a detective in the police department. 27 years. This is Alex Rice, Phoenix Missing Persons Unit detective. Well, the thing about a missing persons case is that not all missing persons are really missing. Many of them run away. Most people who come in. They're not actually missing. A missing person has disappeared with no motive, no explanation for why they're gone, uh, and it may be against their will. A runaway is someone who does not want to be found. This is a person who has gone missing on purpose. And so if you're just triaging cases, that's what we're going to go for first. So the big thing that we have to do right at the top of of the case to see if it's a case to see if it's a missing person or runaway. Do you remember Catherine, specifically? I remember the case. I, uh, I remember uh, looking at a photo. I remember looking at the photo. I don't remember the face, but I, I look at the photo every time for each case, so I remember doing that. This is what I do. I try to memorize the face. So when I'm out, if I see her or whoever it is, you know, I want to be able to recognize them, basically. You know what I'm saying? Has that ever worked before? No, but it's conceivable that, you know, someday you you could just see him on the street, you know, so you want to be ready for that. If I look at the picture and I don't see that person or hear about that person the next two weeks, I ditch that face out of my mind because that is what distracts us from actual missing, abducted, snatched up people as opposed to Kids who ran away from Just crap some parents. Some kid who ran, ran away to L.A. to become an actor or something like that, you know? Or ran away to get away from some crap parents. Right. You said that you could you could tell from a, a photo. Um, I have a photo 
right here of Catherine. That's the photo. That's yeah. the same photo. What do you feel like you can learn about her from this photo? In the picture, Catherine is yeah. alone under the tree Where's outside the her house, clutching a binder to her chest uh, like her heart has a boner. Her hair is brown and shoulder length, and I see now that, yes, her jeans were lackadaisical. What I see is, I don't see a group look. I don't see like she's a member of any kind of the crews of kids that I see when I'm out jogging around. You know, I jog, I jog, I look at kids, and I see what they wear. And I see, you know, kids buy things and wear things to fit in with a certain group, or they just are kind of putting together their own collection of stuff that's going to be warm enough for that day. And she's one of the latter. Just trying to wear clothes. Right. There's nobody else in the photo. It's just a photo of her. So that, to me, suggests also that, maybe yeah. she's a, a little bit of a loner, you know? Yeah, she's alone in the photo, so probably her life. Which ultimately that's, means fewer suspects for us, so that's a good thing. Fewer suspects... Easier case, likelier runaway. Uh, this case was closed. Closed. Dismissed is... That's when a case goes all the way to court. We value the person. We don't dismiss their value as a person. But we respect their choice to most likely run away. How'd that go? I mean, not great. They gave... We got some tape. Yeah, not great, not great. Um, the police weren't great. That's surprising. I, I I don't know. They made it sound like the case is closed, trail is cold. Like they fucking pigs. Basically told me that she were ran they, away. Were they eating donuts? One of them was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Typical. So did you talk to Darcy Bromley Slomer? Not yet. Yep. Sounds about right. All right. Well, you know what? That's that's not our only thing. You said you had like other leads, right? Like, have you have you talked to anyone else since we got here? Yeah, I mean, we talked to the drama teacher. We talked to the choir teacher. The choir teacher said she was um, nothing special, which wasn't very nice of him to say as a public educator. Wait, you've already talked to two different teachers? Yeah. You did all that while I was napping today? Yeah. No, I I went to the high school. I... Wow, you're like way more productive than I thought you would be. No, I'm motivated. But point is, I, I talked to all these people. None of them seemed to care that she's gone. Her parents didn't care? <gasps> Fuck. What? Her mom. Yeah, what about her? I haven't interviewed her mom yet. You haven't interviewed her mom yet? Didn't even think to do it yet. How was that not number one on your list? I don't know. All right, well, let's, let's like, go talk to her mom, like now. Like... Let me figure out where she lives, put it in... We'll just drive there. Are you just... Are you just typing in mom's house into Google Maps? Maybe. Don't... Ask, ask someone, not the internet. The internet doesn't know. The internet knows more than you think the internet knows, I, I, I know the internet knows things, but it doesn't... Oh, God. You want to... Let's just go back to the hotel and you can... You can uh, like Facebook people and ask for an address. So I'm not gonna, not gonna spend. You can't spend more gas money just driving around. But we're learning so much. We're really, we're really not. Okay. She was quiet. Sure. I mean, you know, you know, when she'd get wound up with sugar, you know, Halloween or whatever at home. But she was quiet. She didn't. Uh, she didn't uh, 
act up too much at all. This no. is Rita Roberts. Also sounds like she wasn't particularly happy. Catherine's mother has lived alone for the past eight years. Her ex-husband left in 2007, but to hear her talk about it, it sounds like that was a good thing. Well, who's happy? I mean, I haven't met very many happy teenagers. <laughs> you know, actually, I was pretty happy. But, you know. She lives in a small home. Oh my god, I love it. I love living alone. Which is decorated oh, yeah. very well, specifically love, to her you know, individual interests. Up, you know, carpet making, rub making. Talking to her, she seems happy. As though nothing about her story could be considered a silent, soul-screaming tragedy. The likes of which Chekhov or Ibsen only hoped they might realistically portray. I like watercolors. I watercolor this whole wall. You know, uh, the Hanleys next door have a cat that sometimes will wander over and I'll give her, you know, a little food or a little piece, a little sardine. But yeah, I live alone. You know, she was a smart girl, but she didn't show it to everybody, you know, or anybody, really. She had things she loved. She loved music. She loved singing. Yeah, she loved choir. She came home and said, oh, mom, there's auditions this week. I'm so excited. Do you think you can, you know, get my dress dry cleaned for, she had a special dress she thought was good luck for these auditions. You know, was it good luck? Sure. Made her feel good. So. What did it look like? It was a sailor dress. So she comes home after, you know, the audition and she's upset. She's real upset. They didn't. They didn't like it at all, you know. And the kids were kind of making faces at her when she was walking out. They thought that she couldn't see, but she could, she told me. It was a real sad night. And so she uh, she wanted to go out and, and see her voice teacher. I guess to cheer her up, I don't really know. I know when she used to come home from, you know, times with her voice teacher, she'd, she'd seem a little bit happier. Uh, it didn't bother me that much, but I think it's worth saying that the voice teacher was kind of a... You know, she wasn't a social butterfly. She, she kind of stayed in. Martha, uh, Martha, Appomattox. So she did come back that night. I'd rather not talk about that night. Are you sure? Could you just? I'm not gonna talk about that night. Maybe like a detail or two, like just a description. Her at like maybe what she did. did Honey, she... you're barking up the wrong tree. I ain't talking about it. Well, as frustrating as her silence was, so here's her room. Rita was kind um, enough to give me a tour of Catherine's room. It was Kinda. somewhat shocking to see the mother you know, of a missing a, daughter act so chipper while sorting through the items in her uh, abandoned she's got bedroom. Her posters up, you know, she loves Joseph Gordon Levitt. Ten things I hate about you. I always thought that was kind of a nasty title, but she liked it. She had kind of a wicked sense of humor, <laughs> to me anyway. Here are her friendship bracelets she used to make. She used to give them to her little friend Darcy. That little pig. She never, ever, ever would make her bed. No matter how much I'm begging her, I'm asking her, I'm screaming at her, make your bed, Katie. She never did, so, you know, I wasn't gonna make her bed. She still got her little, you know, her little pillow there and her little teddy bear, Mr. Chuck. 
we came upon a stack of tapes and CDs, albums of songs that Catherine had written and recorded herself. Oh yeah, she used to record, make recordings all the time. She'd go over to the Dollar Tune, you know, off Camelback, across the street from Metro Mall, you know, a bad mall. I heard it's getting good, but you don't want to go there at night. You don't want to be there. Anyway, she'd go to Dollar Tune, you know, she'd make her tapes, she'd, uh, she'd sing her little heart out, and these are, these are they. So we got unicorns aplenty, sad girl, Darcy and me, rainbows that never end. Oh, I loved this one. It was called T Songs for Mom. So we decided to give one a listen. If you could say anything to Catherine, what would you say? Well, Katie, I'd say, uh, you know, I'm just so proud of you for spreading your wings. You know, all I'm saying is I just would love to know where you ended up landing. You know, it's just your mom's living in an empty nest, and uh, that's, it's fine. Uh, that one was fine. You know, if you love something, you gotta let it spread its wings and fly away. And if you're ever scared, you know, just take wing. Stop it. So, yeah, that was weird. But maybe that's just Rita. She's eccentric, to be sure. Clinically insane? I've never seen more macrame in my entire life. But deep down, I just want her to be happy. She's a mom. You know, hun, the address is the same if you're listening. You can feel free to write, because your mom loves you. I'd like to end this episode with a particularly bizarre statement. I asked Rita what she thought about the detectives. She said she didn't trust them. They both said that this was a pretty certain runaway case. Do you agree with that? But then she said this. You know, I'll tell you a story. Aesop wrote, once there was a little mouse scurrying around and the lion came up to him and said, you know, what are you up to? The mouse says, oh, nothing. Lion walks away. Mouse is sitting on a whole dead carcass of meat that the lion would have wanted to eat. So with the cops, you know, they know some of the story. They don't know the whole story, and that's okay. So you're saying... No, she's not. No, she's not dead. She's not a dead carcass. I just know some more things about it that maybe they don't know. Are you going to tell me? No. I'm sorry, but, you know, I got to learn to close my big mouth. You want some more iced tea, hon? On the next episode of Just Left, I finally bite the bullet and talk to Darcy Bromley Slomer. You your fear of talking to her is founded on nothing. I just, this has been so fun up until now. It oh, just sounds fun? Like such, yeah. Is investigating a missing person's fun for you? You're not having fun? No, I mean, yeah, but 
Don't bring feelings into this. Don't make it complicated, dude. No surprise here, she's exactly as obnoxious as she sounds. It seemed that your relationship wasn't entirely friendly. Um, no, no, that was a rumor. I think maybe it was that she was trying to be me. And I was just, you know, I can only be myself. I can only, I can only just do what I do. Mike and I drive to Sedona to meet Martha Appomattox. Catherine's voice teacher. Well, uh, vocal training is something, is one word I could use for a practice that I've been studying for a long time, and one way you could describe it would be vibrations. Um, have you read anything about this uh, new physics? I suspect that Martha about, uh, Appomattox is... I think they just use the word spooky to talk some about... Some kind of witch. To describe the way the world really works. And not for nothing, while we're there, we stay in a really romantic resort in the center of town. That, that's our bed? Yeah. I had a bigger bed in my dorm room. The circumstances of her change were very much... Well, they were new and confusing for everyone, really. But the circumstances of her change? Mm-hmm. Well, just how the wings happened. The what? 